Let's get our Bibles out and do some reading, shall we? If you turn in your Bibles to John's Gospel, in chapter 12, and we'll read verses 20 to 50. John 12, verses 20 to 50. What I would like you to notice is, um, as I read you these verses, notice how the Lord Jesus himself is enough to overcome so many barriers in these people. They will not believe, they could not believe, but in the end, nevertheless, even despite that unbelief, Jesus was enough and many of them came to faith. So John 12, from verse 20 to verse 50. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies and it, produce, it produces much grain, he who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now, is, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. 
Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to the world to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word to us. Well, here we are in an anniversary service. How many years has it been? 120, what was this? 120? 129 years. The Lord has been faithful to this place and kept this church here full of people willing to pray and preach and weep for the people of this area. It's great. It's a great privilege. And uh, the Lord's been very kind to us. And gratitude must mark our service. But, right, what have we got? Right, it's always been the duty of the church in the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ all the time, down the ages, to always be preaching the gospel of Jesus, to tell people of the good news of the Lord, the Son of God. And that is, I don't know if you can say it's more so now, but perhaps the urgency, the need of it is more so now than ever in Wales, in my opinion. This is the first time I think I've gone on record saying this, that the Christian faith has never been in a worse position than it is now in the UK. Speaking in society in general, I mean. Not since before the gospel came to this country have so few people of the population known that God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That Jesus Christ is God's Son and that he has given his life to save sinners. It's never been so bad as it is now. And so certain questions arise in our minds. We've been here for 129 years, and look how hard it is to fulfill the duty of preaching the gospel for the good of sinners. Why is it so hard? Why does the fruit come in uh, such a way that it does, a bit here, a bit there? What should we expect in the future? Why are the results as they are? And one of the passages of the Bible that goes some way to answer us in this and to encourage us is Isaiah 6. So if you turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 6, and we'll take as our text the first uh, 13 verses, which is the whole chapter, I'll read, um, I'll read Isaiah 6 to you. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, that's a type of angel. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, but yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for a consuming. As a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down, so the holy seed shall be its stump. How many of you had dreams last night? I don't know if you remember your dreams. You're one of those people. Some people just remember all their dreams quite vividly. Some people just forget them. What do you do when you have a dream that is so disturbing that it wakes you up? What do you do? You sit up, you look around. It's like, yes, I'm in my own house. You see the curtains and the light coming through from the moon. You're like, it was just a dream, not real. Isaiah didn't have that privilege. In Isaiah 6, he has a real vision of a real person in a real place. He saw, as John told us in our reading, he saw the glory of Jesus enthroned and worshipped over all of heaven and earth. All creation, his footstool, all these angels around him worshipping him, one crying to another, the earth is filled with the glory of God. He is too pure for sinless angels to look at him. With their sinless wings, they fly so that their sinless feet wouldn't touch the edge of his robe. The impression we're given is purity, holiness, unapproachable spotlessness. And so Isaiah responds as one would, I think, in that sort of scenario. If you see something so amazing as that, he's terrified. He's a mortal creature, and he stands before the holy God and just Christ. It would be as if a footman in Buckingham Palace spotted a rat. He doesn't belong. He's dirty. He's doomed. You know, you're going to get to see what Isaiah saw one day. You know that. 
with your own eyeballs, Job says, you will see Jesus Christ on this throne. You will see seraphim like this and angels worshipping and all of heaven and earth on which you will stand under his feet. What would you say if you saw something like that? If you were exposed to something like that? Creatures that are so mighty that when they speak, the whole temple of God can barely handle it and it's quaking. Isaiah said, woe is me. Oh no. I'm undone. I'm lost. There's no hope for me. We might expect with Isaiah that we would be toast. But instead what happens is an angel, one of the seraphim, comes to Isaiah with a coal, a hot coal that has been taken from the altar. Now the altar is where sacrifices are made. The altar is an emblem, a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. He's bringing to him a piece of the, uh, a piece of the sacrifice of Christ, basically, is what he's bringing to him. In verse 7, he touches his mouth with it, it burns his lips and his tongue. And by doing so, he says... This God will die for you instead. This God will take away your sins. You cannot die again. He could not belong. He would not belong. But nevertheless, the cross prevailed for him. The Lord Jesus Christ was enough for Isaiah and his sin, even in that place where he was. Now, this is what has happened to every believer who has heard the gospel and believed in the Lord Jesus. I don't know if that's happened to you. I hope it has. It's the most wonderful thing that could ever happen. It's why you exist. We get to see God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are convicted of our own sinfulness and we are rescued by the application of his cross. When Jesus Christ and his cross is brought to bear upon us, we're forgiven of our sins. And then what happens is that, just like to Isaiah, the Lord puts words into our mouth. Like we said at the beginning, it's the duty of the church to preach the gospel of Jesus. The message that we're given in verses 9 to 13 are pretty grim. He says, go and tell the people, keep on hearing that is, keep on hearing the gospel, the good news, the message of God that he has to say to the world. Keep on hearing, but don't understand any of it. Keep on seeing it, but don't perceive it. Don't realize what you're seeing. Just like in Genesis 1, when God said, let there be light. He says now, let them hear, but don't let them understand. It's grim, it's hard, it's frightening. Poor Isaiah. Poor Isaiah indeed. Gospel preaching, the Lord says, is like speaking another language. Do you ever get that impression? When you speak to your friends and family about the gospel of Jesus? It's like they're speaking another language. Or do you ever get the impression from the other side? When people speak to you about the Father, Son and Holy Spirit... And what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross for sinners like us. Is it like people are speaking another language? Why is it so harsh then 
this punishment, this judgment that the Lord brings upon people. Why? Why? It seems to be so unfair. Well, for that, let me ask you to look at verse 10, where it says, Make the heart of this people dull. That seems really harsh, doesn't it? Make their ears heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and so forth. This is one of those verses where you've got multiple different translations that are available to us. And uh, we can say that... um, Well, put it this way. When the Lord Jesus quotes this passage himself in Matthew 13, verses 14 to 15, he quotes it slightly differently. He uses a different translation. And he says, instead of make the heart of this people dull, he says this, for the heart of this people is dull. Their ears are heavy. They have shut their eyes lest they see. And it's exactly the same thing that St. Paul does in Acts 28. Quoting from Isaiah 6, the, the, the picture is not that God blindfolds people and then judges them for not seeing, but rather the picture is of us walking around like this. We shut our eyes, we shut our ears, lest we see, lest we hear. We want nothing to do with God. We want nothing to do with his son and his gospel. We don't want to see it. We don't want to hear it. We are unwilling. And so the Lord says, okay. He deafens us because we will not listen. He blinds us because we will not look. Greater than our inability is our unwillingness. We could not hear the gospel because we would not hear the gospel. And that's the condition of every single human being on earth besides the mercy of God. Naturally speaking, we don't want him. We prefer death without him than life with him. I've got an illustration for you. My sister, some of you might know her, so you can tell her that I've embarrassed her like this. When she was little and she was poorly bad, she needed cowpaw. And so my dad would try and get cowpaw on the spoon, and in it goes. She didn't want it. And dad tells the story of how he used to put the spoon of cowpaw into my sister's mouth, and he said she would be spitting it out. He said, even if I went all the way to hold her mouth shut, she would push it out from between her teeth and it would come out over her mouth. I've got a little boy now, so I'm learning these struggles. Just as Esther does not want to take Calpol and will not take the medicine that has been given to her, so we are, naturally speaking, with the gospel. We don't, we don't want to hear it. And so it's a grim ministry that has been given to Isaiah and to us. We preach Jesus' gospel to people who will not listen, and their hearts harden and harden and harden. How long will this go on for, he says in verse 11, all the way to the end? For as long as they are unwilling, he says, for as long as they are unwilling, they will not see, they will not hear. And then comes, in verse 13, one of the greatest buts in the whole Bible. But... Verse 13 says, Nevertheless, some will hear, some will see, some will turn, some will be saved. Even though they're unwilling, even though they're unable, some will see and hear. Isaiah and we know our ministry then before it starts. We, as a church, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who will not listen, they cannot listen, nevertheless, some of them will hear 
turn and be saved. Praise God for his mercy, for his kindness. Proof of this, that it's not just for Isaiah, but it's for us as well now, is how much Isaiah 6 comes up in the New Testament. If you um, remember our reading in John 12, you can turn back there. Um, John chapter 12, we read the, uh, a good chunk of the chapter, didn't we? In verses 35 to 43, you have Isaiah 6 is presented to us again in the context of Jesus' ministry. In verse 37, it says, Although Jesus has done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Although he did signs, they would not see. Although he preached the gospel, they would not listen. They would not believe in him. Therefore, verse 39 says, Therefore, because they would not listen, because they would not believe, therefore, they could not believe. And then verse 42 comes in to melt your heart. says, nevertheless, nevertheless, although they would not believe, although they could not believe, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Jesus. It is even Jesus' ministry, not just Isaiah. He doesn't give the hard stuff to us and keeps the easy jobs for himself. When he comes here in our flesh, he preached to his own and his own did not receive him. They were given over to their unbelief because they would not hear. Nevertheless, to those who received him, he gave the right to be children of God. There are countless examples of this through history. People who would not believe, could not believe, nevertheless believed. Do you know any? How about Saul of Tarsus? There's a man who knew the gospel of Jesus. He knew his Bible like the back of his hand. He heard the preaching of the apostles and of Stephen. He knew the gospel, but he would not believe in it. You know, in his own words, a veil was over his heart so that he would not believe. So that he could not believe. But then one day he was on a journey, wasn't he? And that great nevertheless... The great but of Isaiah 6.13 appeared. Nevertheless, he was blinded by the light that he refused to believe in. And in his own words, in Christ, the veil is taken away. Do you know any others? I know. You and me. It's your testimony, isn't it? That you would not believe the gospel. Indeed, you could not believe the gospel. But nevertheless, the Lord had mercy on me, and now we believe. It's like we sang, isn't it? Lord, I was blind, I could not see in thy marred visage any grace, but now the, the beauty of thy face in radiant vision dawns on me. Lord, I was deaf, I could not hear the thrilling music of thy voice, but now I hear. And rejoice. Lord, I was dumb. I could not speak the grace and glory of thy name. But now, touched with living flame, my lips, thine eager praises wake. And it goes on like that. A great, a great hymn that captures this so well. We wouldn't hear. We couldn't hear. Nevertheless, because of the mercy of God, we've come to believe. Now, this is wonderful news to Christians, isn't it? 
But if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, doesn't this sound like really bad news? Am I not saying that you won't hear the gospel, you can't hear the gospel? Yes. But this is the most wonderful good news. This is good news because it means that if you're not a Christian, there's hope. There's hope called the mercy of God. To stand before a holy God as Isaiah did, to shout out, woe is me, I am toast. Even there, there is mercy because of Jesus Christ. There is hope for you because of this great nevertheless. You will not believe, you cannot believe, nevertheless, because of the mercy of God, because of him, we may yet be saved. And so here's what I'm telling you to do. You need to look to the Lord Jesus Christ and away from yourself. As this passage teaches us, inside us, we are incapable and unwilling to be saved. We cannot do it. But when we look to the Lord Jesus Christ crucified for sinners like us, we realize that God is a God of mercy and of grace and of love who will stop at nothing that we might yet be saved even though we are so unwilling and unable. What we must do as unbelievers is come to the Lord Jesus Christ, get on our knees and say, Lord, I can't do anything. I can't even believe in you. I need you to do what I can't. I can't do anything at all. I'm blind, I'm deaf, I'm dumb. I need you to rescue me. When we see Christ crucified, lifted up, like Jesus says in John 12, when we see that, we realize he will do everything that it takes to bring us to believe in him. He would die to make that happen for us. We must be absolutely assured as we go home today, as we leave the church, be absolutely assured of his determination to save hard hearts, dead souls, despite ourselves. For 129 years, he has been patiently persevering with people who will not and cannot believe in his son. Now, Isaiah and Jesus had uh, the privilege, I suppose you can put it like that, of being told what to preach. Christ tells Isaiah, preach this in Isaiah 6, and the Father tells the Son what to preach. He says so in John 12 at the end there. What do we preach? What are we going to say in the 130th year? What could we possibly say to remove people's blindfolds, to open their ears, to bring people to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the message that deaf people can hear? If you look in John 12 again, verses 44 to 46, with Isaiah 6 ringing in our ears, Jesus says, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. What is it which cures blindness? It's Jesus Christ. 
he is the light which can dispel the darkness that people willingly wander in. He is the message that we must preach as a church. Jesus Christ. How many of you are in love with someone? All the wives are like... (laughs) People fall in love with people. And that's why the church must preach Jesus Christ. He is the light that can dispel darkness. He is the message that deaf people can hear. He is the one that sinners must fall in love with. And we lift him up as a church, as he says there in, where is it? When I am lifted up, says in verse 31 and verse 32, I will draw all peoples to myself. We lift him up and let him draw lame people to himself. We preach Christ and Christ crucified because he is our only hope. Just as he was ours, he is for those who have yet to come and believe as well. We see in the cross of Jesus Christ the power of God. The power of God towards us who are being saved. So it's a hard ministry, and I'm finishing with this, right? Last few sentences on my piece of paper by you. It's a hard ministry, what we've got for year 130, because of the hardness of hearts. That's why things are so difficult. But when we lift up Jesus Christ and him crucified, he draws all people to himself. People will be saved. The Bible assures us of that. Despite the hardness of heart, though they will not, though they cannot, nevertheless, by the mercy of God, we are reached by the gospel and Christ deals with us. Through the foolish weakness of Christ crucified, God is pleased to show his power to overcome incapacity and unwillingness of heart. People will be exposed to the gospel in Gosainen in the years to come. They will know Jesus Christ applied to their own hearts, their sins being covered. Broken hearts that are far from him will nevertheless be brought to him and remade. So my message to you then, Bethel, Do not fret and do not compromise. Don't think gospel preaching doesn't work. People won't listen to it. People can't listen to it. Keep the faith that Christ is enough for us and for the world. Just as he prevailed over our hard hearts, he will do so again for our friends, our family, and the people in Gosainen. God bless you with that word. Amen. For his name's sake, let's pray together before we sing. Our Father in heaven, we, Lord, we, oh, Lord, what do we say? Thank you. Lord, there's nothing else for us to say or to do. You've done it all and left it all. You've, you've said it all. You're the Alpha, the Omega in Jesus Christ. There's nothing left for us to do but say thank you. You have been to us in the God of the Son. We thank you for sending him. We thank you for the power of his cross. We thank you, Lord, that... We have hope for our unconverted friends and family, hope for ourselves, that despite our wayward and our dark hearts, nevertheless, because of the mercy of God, we can come to faith in the Lord. Oh, Father, we pray that you should give that now to the hardest hearts, to the coldest hearts, to those who are so far away. We pray that your mercy would prevail for them, that you should save your people. Amen.